And I look at my business in, in its entirety and I say, the only thing that limits me is the quality and the quantity of my center of influence mm. of the people that I know. And if I keep expanding that people, then I'm literally limitless in mm. what I can do. Everything is possible. Hey. Just hustle. Hey. Just hustle. Hey. Hey. The Million Dollar Hustle Podcast, where we keep it real, a state in entrepreneurship wisdom. Learn to think like a millionaire and hustle like you're broke. Here's your host, Billy the Kid, aka Billionaire. Everything is possible, just hustle, just hustle. Everything is possible, just hustle. Welcome to the Million Dollar Hustle Podcast, baby, where you're gonna learn to think like a millionaire and hustle like you're broke. It's your boy, Billy the Kid, a.k.a. BDK. And in this show, we invite real-time millionaires to give you game, to give you the habits. How did they get to where they are at? So if you want to learn all the habits and all the good stuff that they've done to be where they're at, you're in the right spot. If you are not ready to change your life and take your life to the next level, do not hit play, baby. You know how we're coming. Today, I'm super excited. Um... We have a big, big investor, and we'll call him local, um, even though he's from Omaha. So uh, I can't wait to dive deep into this episode. Um, and other than that, guys, uh, you know, I'm, I'm super excited. Um, I've had to open a couple more spots to the mastermind uh, because of uh, people just requesting it. And, and uh, so that's been a blessing. Um, you know, info at Billy the Kid for any one-on-one inquiries. Uh, like I said, we're sold out, but uh, it, we kind of go first come first. Uh, first come first. Wow, I can't even speak right now. Um, for those of you who are interested, just send an inquiry, and then we'll kind of keep you on the list. Uh, info at Billy the Kid dot com. That's really the only way. So, um, other than that, guys, uh, the lending company. If you guys need any lending. Uh, make sure you guys hit me up. Uh, it, it has to be for some real estate transactions. Um, so if you're interested in lending, hit me up. And then we are actively looking for the next deal as always. So um, anybody that has anything for sale, hit me up. Uh, Lincoln area. And uh, let's see. And yeah, I mean, things have been great, guys. The construction company's taking off. Uh, and so if you guys need any concrete or anything locally, hit me up, um, you know, grab the, a copy of my book, The Power of Being Uncomfortable. And I've been releasing music left and right. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's a blessing. Uh, we're, we're blessed. Uh, blessing after blessing here. And that is the stuff that we practice on the mastermind and everything. So um, I think with that being said, guys, I'm ready to dive in. Uh, I just wanted to give you guys a quick update, too, I guess, of just... Uh, Overall, this um, weekend was crazy. Uh, Friday, I went to the Ludacris concert with the wife and a lot of friends. And then uh, we stayed the night out there at the casino. Um, and then, let's see. And then we had to be back. Uh, and it was in Omaha. Uh, and so we had to be back. Uh, <laughs> we're actually, so we stayed the night. So Saturday, we had a game at 8 a.m. for my my youngest uh so i went to a soccer game and it was actually a tournament so then i think the next one was at noon and then we had a quinceanera uh that saturday night and we barely had any sleep but it was fun you know seeing the family and then of course sunday 
we had to be back at 8 a.m. for another game uh, for my youngest uh, soccer. And then Sunday night, we had a concert that I took the girls and my wife uh, out to. So, yeah, it's been a uh, packed full weekend. And then here I am. Today's Monday. Um, getting ready to record this podcast. So, uh, you know, it's a blessing. Uh, and that's what freedom is, guys, is the freedom to do whatever you want to do, not what you have to do. So with that being said, make sure you guys subscribe to the channel. We have Owen, who is one of the biggest uh, real estate investors in Nebraska, baby. That's how we're doing it. So here is Owen. Let's get it. Was that loud? No, I'm good, man. <laughs> You seem a little shaken up. No, I, I, I love it. I was expecting it. I just didn't know what was going to happen. The anticipation was killing me. You were looking for That's the only reason why you came yeah. to the podcast. That's all right. <laughs> well, all right, guys. Uh, this, uh, I'm super excited because uh, for the Million Dollar Hustle podcast, uh, this is the, you're, you're actually our guinea pig. All right. <laughs> you don't even hopefully, know for what. You're just happy. Yeah. Hopefully, I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> Love it. Hopefully I don't scare off your followers. <laughs> no, and and, and uh, it, I'm excited because it, you're the first uh, in-person interview that we're that I'm gonna do here for the Million Dollar Hustle podcast. Uh, a lot of them have been through Zoom and you know just uh, virtual. So so thanks for coming, man. I I'm appreciate happy it. To be here. Hopefully. Uh, I have a face for radio, as we've talked about. So hopefully, <laughs> since you're live on YouTube or not live, but recording on YouTube, I don't scare away people. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, that. no. And and those of you listening, uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel, Billy the Kid, uh, or look up Million Dollar Hustle. It is out everywhere on Spotify, Pandora, and all that. And as a matter of fact, uh, if you guys could do me a favor and uh, screenshot wherever you're listening to the podcast and post it on your stories and tag either Billy the Kid, Owen and million dollar hustle podcast and if you do we're gonna reshare it so that way they can get followers we can get followers and we all get followers and we're all happy everyone shares <laughs> there you go so please do that uh but I, i'm super excited thank you owen uh this has been something that i've been looking forward to a few it's been over a year now that i'm like come on owen i gotta get you in i gotta get you in so thanks I'm for excited. coming yeah this, uh, this is great i appreciate the invite so yeah ready and to, ready to rock here before we get into your story uh we have book of the week and i know you are a reader so if you could please give me a book that has changed your life completely Ooh, that's a good one um so i have a couple that of of like tried and true favorites um i think the first one i would say is Let's see. It's Jay tough, huh? It is tough. <laughs> Put me on the spot a little bit. Uh, Atomic Habits by James mm. Clear is one of my all-time personal development favorites. Basically, it's about eliminating bad habits and implementing good ones and doing it in bite-sized pieces. So making small changes that have a cumulative effect over a longer period of time that can be exponential in growth. Mm. Um, so I, I love that book. And then um, I would say... Uh, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss is another one of my all-time favorites. Mm. And uh, why that one? I've used that little tactics in that book to basically improve my financial position thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars just using mm. little things he's mentioned in the book. Mm. And I use it to, I have incorporated a lot of the kind of like sales and negotiation stuff that he preaches into my own real estate business that's nice. helped immensely so wow right. and and you know it's funny you say that owen because uh it it sounds like you're about action 
So you took action from that book because a lot of people, I heard this concept where if you read all the, a lot of people are tied up like, Oh, I'm going to read 50 books this year. Right. Mm -hmm. Or in three months, I don't know, whatever crazy goal, but why not read three books for the year? And if you implement those three things, I mean, can you imagine how much your life can change? It's a, applying what you learn quickly so that you don't forget it especially mm. when you get old like me right you, <laughs> you just plow through 50 books like you said it's you can take maybe a couple of things out of it but you're probably going to forget yeah you just keep layering on more and more stuff so i like that don't make it about quantity make it about mm -hmm. quality and use that to implement it in your own life yeah yeah, I like yeah. It. and and it's crazy there's some books too that you'll read and it's like and i, I know i've touched on this concept before too where you read it and, you know, maybe you put it away, but you know, that book just made you a million dollars or mm -hmm. whatever, you know, whatever crazy, uh, but, but it's all on implementing. Cause if you're just reading the information uh, I've also slowed down. I used to listen to a lot of my books in two times. You sound funny, by the way, on your podcast <laughs> at two times, <laughs> but no, I, I've slowed down at one and a half because I also started realizing I'm like, you know, uh, because I would space off if I'm running or something, listening to a podcast or a book and I would, Granted, I would rewind back and be like, okay, whoa, I was just pacing out. Let me go back. Mm -hmm. But I went back just after I heard that concept. I'm like, you know what? I'm probably doing that with audiobooks too. I need to slow down and just take the information in. So anyways, love it, love it. It, it goes along with what, what you brought up. But uh, with that being said, Owen, uh, if we could get into your story real quick, um, if we could start from way back, where are you from? And uh, yeah, let's start with that. Cool. Yeah, I'm from a small town in Southwest Iowa called Malvern. Uh, about 1,200 people, had 30 kids in my graduating class, seven girls, so had to shop in neighboring towns for dates because uh, they were all <laughs> locked up to long-term contracts, I like to say. <laughs> but um, so I grew up there. Uh, my my parents were hardworking entrepreneurs. Um, I learned a lot about business and just the, you know, the way to organize your life so that you can have good family time and also get a lot accomplished in your businesses. Mm. So whether it was subconsciously or not, I, I mean, it's not like we had class on how to be an entrepreneur or anything like that mm -hmm. with my parents, but I learned a lot from them. And uh, after, uh, after I graduated high school there, I, I played baseball for a couple of years at a junior college, hurt my arm, uh, kept playing for a few years after that. But uh, I went, I went to four different schools Ended up getting mm. my, my finished up my degree finally when I was 25, uh, Bellevue University in, in uh, Nebraska. And then um, I started basically on kind of the... So you moved to Bellevue because of college. I moved to Counts of Bluffs um, after I went to my JUCO to play baseball. And I worked during okay. the summer um, at the Buckle, actually. Mm. I worked at the Buckle and nice. then I bartended. Yeah, so <laughs> kind of had a little mix of, uh, of stuff going on there, but... I, um, yeah, I started in, I, I ended up as a headhunter. So during, well, during the time when I was bartending, I met a guy who was a real like entrepreneur type, you know, focused guy. And I learned a lot from him. He told me about headhunting, which is basically you get hired by companies to go out and recruit people from other companies to work for them. Mm -hmm. So you're almost like a, like a talent scout. Mm -hmm. And so I would place other IT professionals at my client companies and get paid a commission. Um, mm. So basically you take a first year annual salary of a hundred thousand bucks. Let's say our job was to go out for 25% of that for 25 grand, go out and recruit somebody specific to work mm -hmm. for you. It, you know, that's awesome. It reminds me of, uh, 
like for example, as a contractor, since I, I own the construction company, it's like, yeah, I get paid for putting the pieces together. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's yep. not like, so a lot of people have this hard uh, understanding of like, well, you're, you don't, you're not wearing the orange shirt with, you know, stains and, you know, and it's like, <laughs> no, but it's pieces. So I love that you touched on that because imagine how many pieces you put together and you were getting paid for doing that, which you should. <laughs> yeah. I had never even heard about it before. I didn't know it was a thing, but my, my friend was doing it and he was making a lot of money and he told me about it. And I was like, what? He got me an interview and I didn't know what I was doing, but I started working with him and we just kind of worked the plan started placing, you know, IT professionals. This is right before Y2K. Okay? Mm, so it's a, mm-hmm. to put a timestamp on this. Mm-hmm. And uh, I learned a lot and got pretty good at it. And then I ended up using that job to kind of leverage my experience into a corporate recruiting position at a tech company that eventually got acquired by Compact Computers and then mm-hmm. it became HP. So I did corporate recruiting and HR work and then ended up working for ConAgra Foods and then IBM. Mm. Um, and then finally Rico, uh, which is a Japanese tech company that bought out a division of IBM. Mm. So I worked in that space for quite a while, like basically corporate recruiting and HR. So I interviewed thousands and thousands of people over the years. Mm -hmm. And I loved that aspect of it, but a lot of my other, you know, a lot of the things that go along with working for a big company I didn't really care for Like I didn't want somebody's thumb on me mm-hmm. to tell me where I needed to be and what time I needed to be there. Mm-hmm. So I wanted more control of my own schedule, but I didn't know how to, how to do it. Like I, I read a ton of books on, you know, starting businesses and I couldn't really find one that I thought might be a good risk or a good, good upside for me. How'd you decide that? Like how, how did that come about where you're like, let me find a book. Like, how did you even know there were such books out there? Yeah, I, Hmm, that's that's a good question. I think I had always done that. I had always, I, even after college, I would read like a self-improvement book and a fiction book at the same okay. time, right? I'd have one going and another one going. And then I just kind of went in through different genres. So I get bored with one and try another one. But mm-hmm. I I started reading, I was always interested and almost obsessed with personal finance, mm-hmm. investing, since stock. when? Like what age? Do like you, would I, you re- I bought my first stock when I was uh, 18. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so you were right on. Yeah. Nice. And so I was always interested in business and, and those type and investing in particular and stock market and, and all that. So I read a lot of those type of books. And then I actually took a brief stint as a financial planner. So I had my insurance licenses, mm. my series six and 63. I would do like, you know, 401k plans and Roth IRAs and I'd sell insurance and, mm-hmm. and all that. And I read and read and read and read anything I could get my hands on that was self-improvement or investing related. And then I found a book called Multiple Streams of Income written by a guy named uh, Robert Allen. This was a book probably that came out in you know the mid nineties or somewhere like that. And I read that book and I was like, oh my God, it's basically the premise is you want to create multiple streams of income in your life so that you're not reliant on one paycheck. Mm -hmm. So getting side businesses or things that are going to pay you more or less an annuity stream, that was just a mind blowing concept to me. So I read through that and I was like, huh, what else is this guy written? Mm -hmm. So I read and I looked at other books he had written and I found one called Nothing Down and it was basically creative real estate. Okay. I always thought growing up and even in college and, and after that, that I had to have 
hundreds of thousands of dollars to buy a house. Like I didn't know that you could get low or no money down real estate. I, I didn't know that was a thing. So I read that book and it blew my mind. I was like, what? You can buy the, you can buy a piece of real estate <laughs> with no money of your own. And so the whole other people's money concept was foreign to me. And then the light bulb kind of went on. So I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you know, that the nothing down book, Creating Wealth. There were a lot of like the OG old school, yeah, yeah. you know, people wrote, wrote books like that, but I read them all. This mm. is before YouTube channels and, and podcasting and, and all that. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I was really, really interested in real estate. And then I ended up buying my very first house was a townhome that I bought with an 80-20 loan. So my whole mission after reading all that, I want to buy my first house with none of my own money. Mm. And so I did. Now, was that a good idea? <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not. That's but, awesome, though. But I was paying my first um, mortgage payment, even combining the 80-20 loan. Basically, it's an 80% loan and then a 20% right yeah. along with it. So this is right before, well, this is 2002. So it was before the- So that was crisis. your first deal. First deal. You out. heard it here first, guys, because I don't think yep. you've, well, you, you've talked about it a little bit on the meetups that you've had. That I don't know that I mentioned this. That specific though. though, yeah. This house, <laughs> this was my first primary residence and I did it with an 80-20 loan, no money out of pocket. And the payment was less than what my apartment cost. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I loved about it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so so bought that and then ended up um, keeping my job for another several years. But I ended up uh, moving to where I live now, which is Carter Lake, Iowa. Right so you did home. finish school. I did. OK. Yeah. And what, what did you graduate uh, for? Uh, business administration, technical studies, basically a, a business BS in business. Okay. More or less. Yeah. BS. Like, would you, would you say that's a for BS real BS? BS? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure. but, because uh, I, well, I, I could see the business you, you've definitely, I mean, once you guys hear all this massive stuff you're doing, but uh, if you were to go back, would you do school again? I was going to say high school, but would you do uh, college again? I would. Okay. Yeah. And if you could give us why. My, my thought on college is you learn things that you can apply to business regardless of what field you study, right? So you're going you're gonna to learn some basics that you can apply to your own business. But the, they're your formative years and you meet people in college that will likely be part of your life mm. until the end. Mm -hmm. And it gives you the opportunity to meet and make relationships that may not help you in your career per se, or if you're going to be an entrepreneur, that's great too. Mm -hmm. But I don't think you should skip that only if only for the experiences. Mm. Um, now, can you, if, if you have the opportunity to make a lot of money and you don't want to get a, a mountain of student debt, that's a different conversation, mm -hmm. right? So there is that, that consideration too, but I think the yeah. relationships you build in college, um, are something that a lot of people don't really consider when they say, yeah. should I go to school or should I just work? Yeah. Right. And you know what? It's funny you say that because now thinking about it, a lot of my quote unquote, like friends are from high school. I don't, cause I didn't go to college. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have that experience. And as to where, you know, one of my friends actually, and you know, he's 40 something years old and he's every year he takes a trip with those college buddies, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it, it, anyway, so I love that. Uh, and, and, and I, I was bringing that up. I, I never thought of it that way. Great point right there. But I was bringing it up because even, you know, for example, you always hear and I'm 99% I'm of the time be like, oh, F school, right? Like, yeah, I, I'll, I'll say that because that was the path that I chose and it mm -hmm. worked for me. But uh, and obviously, like you said, we could sit here and 
pros and cons because I see both sides. Uh, but one thing, even as, as hard as I am with school and stuff, uh, it's crazy. Cause even like math, for example, you always hear that, right? Like, Oh, algebra is not gonna, you're not going to use that anymore right. or, you know, whatever other uh, math does, but you know, people forget that the one thing that is teaching them is problem solving, problem solving, you know, yep. it, you're using your brain to solve whatever's in front of you. So, uh, I, yeah, I love that you brought relationships. I, I love that. Um, and so I want to back up to, uh, so you mentioned your parents were entrepreneurs. What mm -hmm. did they do? And, and if you could give us a list of five things you learned from them. Mm. I, I remember in my childhood, my dad was, uh, he did bulldozing and terracing work. So he had a big uh, bulldozer, right? And so he would do terracing work for farmers. He'd do tree clearing, stuff like that. And he made good money at it. I mean, it's a, you know, it's expensive machinery. Uh, it's expensive to run, but he was kind of like a solopreneur. Mm -hmm. He had a couple of people that would help him out, kind of like hired hands, more or less, right? Mm -hmm. So he, I remember about my dad is he, he got up at about four in the morning okay. every day and he would go to work when it's still dark out, but he would be home every time I had a baseball game or any sporting event, anything that that, uh, you know, might be important for him to go to as a father, he was there. Mm. So I took him for granted in a good way that he was able to spend all of that time that a lot of other people that aren't entrepreneurs can't. Mm. So he was able to, he had freedom of his time where he could go to his kids' sporting events and, and uh, other activities if he wanted to. Mm -hmm. So he could organize his schedule his way to fit around what I was doing in school and outside, outside activities. Mm. I never appreciated that until I was older. Mm -hmm. And now I understand what he went through and making the choice between earning extra money for quote unquote, for the family yeah, or seeing his kid play a sport and, you know, me, wow. me not yeah. appreciating it till later on. But I tell you, it's really impactful now that I look at. So yeah. that would be the one thing is freedom of time um, and control of schedule mm. is, uh, and you know, with exceptions, obviously there's yeah. sometimes you can't, there's things you can't control if you're an entrepreneur, but mm -hmm. I appreciate the fact that he and my, my mom both were always there for me and not everybody has that. Mm -hmm. And I know that now yeah. more, more than anything, I, any, anybody that I meet now, maybe their parents weren't together. Maybe they had a tough childhood. You know, yeah. I, I yeah. was able to lean on my parents to, and I knew they were going to be there so mm -hmm. I could count on them. Mm -hmm. So I, I learned reliability and um, accountability for doing what you say you're going to do because my, my parents were, my, especially my dad was never late mm. and he kind of instilled this in me. So I almost kind of like freak out a little bit if I'm running late on something. Well, we're supposed to do this at 10 and you were I at know. nine. <laughs> So whether it's good or bad, I, I really try to be punctual because I think it's a reflection uh, that you respect the other person's schedule mm -hmm. that you're either going to be meeting or that you said you're going to be at. So I mm -hmm. think doing what you say you're going to do, um, being reliable, being accountable, um, having freedom of your mm -hmm. schedule. And I think the ability to leverage your time to make more money in multiple ways rather than just be stuck in a... I'm getting paid for my time working for another employer. Mm, mm -hmm. So when you went to college then, Owen, did you have all that in, in your mind? 
uh, or was, or were you more focused on, okay, I'm just going to do this career. Like, what was that thinking? Like, what, where were you heading or, and actually where you heading where you're at now? Oh man, I, I, uh, I put a lot of pressure on myself to figure out what I was going to do with my life early on. And I, I remember being really frustrated because I didn't have a good answer. Mm. I knew I wanted to do something related to business. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know if I wanted to own a business, work for a business. I just didn't know. And I remember like, oh man, I was kind of panicking almost because there were other kids that were like, well, they have this figured out. They know what their major <laughs> is going to be. You know, I went from, uh, I went from sports administration to psychology to business. And that's what, that's what, that was my three iterations mm -hmm. of my major. And I took something from each one of those, but I knew that I wasn't going to play baseball the rest of my life. I figured that out after I got to college <laughs> uh, and I saw the talent level of people that weren't from Malvern, Iowa. Uh, and, and, uh, but I also knew that I, I loved psychology and I still do, but I'm not going to be a clinical psychologist. Mm -hmm. You're kind of limited in what you can do with your career. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, you know, then business and I, I loved business classes. I love learning about it and, and, uh, and all that. So I think those things, all together kind of led me to where I am now in, mm -hmm. in part, mm -hmm. but no, I didn't, I wanted to chase girls and play baseball. Man. Yeah. Yeah. That's all. And party. That's yeah. what I wanted to do when I, when I was in college. Yes. I wanted to enjoy what I was going to school for, but I didn't have it figured out at all. Yeah. Yeah, man. Okay. And, uh, to, to kind of fast forward, uh, and before we get fully into like what all the great stuff you got going on, you, you are married. Uh, so, so that didn't work out too well in college where you were chasing <laughs> tail. <laughs> I, I got that out. I got that out of the way. There you go. Yeah. Um, and, and we were talking, uh, and we've talked a few times and you always mention your two girls mm -hmm. because they're the same age as mine, yeah. basically. So, uh, yeah, if it, I guess if you could let us know kind of where you're at with your sure. family, you, I mean, I kind of just told your whole story, I guess. Yeah. Married and oh, it's all good. Um, so Jen, Jen, my wife, uh, we, we've been married for, uh, let's see, 17 years. So we got married in 2005. Uh, I've got two beautiful daughters, uh, Avery, who's 14, Olivia, who's 10. Uh, so they're in uh, seventh grade or no, eighth grade and fifth, mm -hmm. uh, respectively. So mm -hmm. yeah, awesome. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome set of girls. What's um, how, how is it? And and it's funny because uh, my wife was in here earlier and you were kind of like, how do you keep up with this crazy? <laughs> right. And and I would like to ask you that. How does yeah. your wife keep up with your crazy, you know, with, with all the great stuff that you got going? And and if you could give some pointers to somebody out there struggling that maybe, you know, the the and we won't just say wife, but it could go either way. Right. The husband or wife is keeping the other person from maybe doing their first flip or, you know, whatever mm. situation they're in. Yeah. Uh, they're not letting them jump. What are some stuff you learned along the way about marriage? Oh, that's such a good question. And that's, a, that's a deep question too. <laughs> so I get, um, I, you know, you hear this a lot in, in real estate and entrepreneurship. You have a spouse that really, really is interested in a, in a certain aspect of business. So like, let's say they're geeked out about real estate investing and they've got the bug really bad. And they really want to get their spouse involved. Mm -hmm. or they think they have to. Mm -hmm. I think that's the more common thing that happens mm. is you, you think you have to involve your spouse and they have to have complete buy-in and be wow. as knowledgeable about everything as you are. That's a tendency, I think, that a lot of 
people that are aspiring to get into at least this business in particular, but I know others as well. Mm -hmm. And I would say, and I did too, when I first started. So I really wanted to have Jen be excited about it and, and, and learn everything that I was and, and really dive into this thing and take hold of it. And she kind of was like, that's cool that you're Mm -hmm. interested, but that's, I, I don't really want to do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I struggled with that mentally for a while. I was like, well, how can she not see this? And mm-hmm. this is the way and, and this and that. And after a while, after I kind of let off the pressure on all of that, it started working better because she supported me and my interest in that, but didn't necessarily need to be involved on a day-to-day mm-hmm. basis. Mm-hmm. And I could tell her my wins and, and losses and struggles and everything, but mm-hmm. I wasn't necessarily looking for her to solve them or be involved. Mm. So I think having a willing supporter and soundboard is a good role for a spouse that maybe isn't as interested in something as you are, mm. but they're supportive. Wow. And she's that, always been that way for me and just said, Hey, go, go do your thing. You know, like that, I, that's massive because you are right. You, you always think that uh, the other person has to follow through everything that you're doing. Right. And, and it works that way too. Right. Like, yeah, right? but I, I love, I love, all these conversations almost because you're like, we, we were just talking about levels of thinking and different ways of thinking. And it, you're bringing this whole other perspective. So those of you listening, man, I hope you're ta- taking notes. Cause that that's, that's so true. I feel like that. It, I know a lot of entrepreneurs that have massive businesses and their wife never stepped foot on the, in the office, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah. so yeah, that that's, I love that. And what does she do? So she worked in sales for about 15 years for a company called Nestle Water. So she was in uh, basically supermarket sales. So they had like Nestle Pure Life, Ozarka, Ice Mountain, mm-hmm. right? And she would call on buyers and supermarket owner chain owners and basically, you know, line up the product sales and all mm-hmm. that. She's really good at mm-hmm. it and did well. And, and she had the, she worked for them for 15 years and then ended up getting laid. Well, they wanted to promote her, which would involve more travel. And she was traveling quite a bit mm. and really was not liking that because she was missing things. Mm-hmm. Like she was missing, you know, my daughter's activities. Mm-hmm. And she felt like if she's out of town every week, she's missing a chunk of their mm-hmm. life. And that mm-hmm. really started to bother her. And then, then basically it came along where they're like, we want you to travel more or we're going to give you a layoff package. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so she took the layoff package. This is about three years ago and uh, has been happy. I mean, wow. it, it's, it's a trade-off because, you know, she kind of straddled the line of being really good at what she did and mm-hmm. having strong relationships and working at a company for 15 years mm-hmm. to missing that a little bit when yeah. she's not involved, but now she has the freedom of schedule and can like do go to everything mm-hmm. and be involved in parent teacher freedom of time that we yeah. were just talking about. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So awesome. she's, she's been retired for the last three years. That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And your shirt from retirement because of all the stuff that you're doing. Uh, And if we could start getting into that side of things, because we could go in so many directions and, and I hope we have enough time to do so because uh, you're just a wealth of knowledge. I've heard you speak and I do listen to that weird podcast you and Ted have going on. (laughs) No, but, and actually plug that in real quick. Shout out to Ted. uh, If you plug it in so that way people could check it out. I was actually on there too. Yeah, you were. So So we have uh, Rio radio, R E I a real estate investor association. So real Ria Radio, and it's on you know Apple, iTunes, Stitcher, ever any anything you can think of, and it's basically all about real estate investing uh, for all levels. We've had experienced people, we've had uh, you know people that just bought their first deal, 
It's about mindset. It's about tactics, strategy, leaving your job, all of that stuff. Ted Kosh is my partner in crime. He's my co-host on the, and it, it was his baby. So he kind of had the, the vision for creating the podcast, brought me along as a, you know, color commentary. Uh, so I, talk, <laughs> I talk a lot. So did you know you had the radio voice up until then? No. I, I, well, it's, it's weird because I, you, you know, this is from being, you know, in the industry yeah. you've been in, but you're like, do I really sound right. like that? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. But it's been, that's been a lot of fun. Um, I've got to interview just some kick-ass people that mm -hmm. have been really cool. I've learned a ton from every guest we have on. So. Yeah, no. And, and uh, the episodes that I've heard, uh, I mean, it is a wealth of knowledge. I mean, and, I and yeah, it, it, you guys gave a lot of great uh, nugs, which was something, I mean, even up until this point, you already have, um, but so you got that going on, but that's more recent, yep. you would say. Mm -hmm. um, and if we back up, so, and actually here, let's back up to, okay. So what happened after you bought that house in 2002? Yeah. What was the next thing? What happened with that deal? And then kind of, we'll, we'll kind of work our way into Yep. So the story that was a, that was a primary residence, right? So I, we moved into it. I was working a full-time job and I um, wanted to figure out how I can make it work. And I looked at, and so if you get into real estate investing and you start reading books and podcasts and everything, there's all these different aspects of it that you can pursue. Lease options, Airbnbs, long-term rentals, flipping, wholesaling, wholetailing, right? There's all these different aspects. Mm -hmm. Commercial, residential, you could be an agent, you can work for a property management company. Like, So I wanted to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up, right? So how am I going to apply this interest in real estate into an actual practical plan where I can start getting my own properties and, and making more money, which was the goal, right? Mm -hmm. And get out of the rat race eventually. That was the ultimate end goal, but I had to figure out a plan to get there. What I came up with was um, I didn't, I took stock of my current situation. I had a good job, but I had no money. So I was basically kind of starting from scratch, good income, good W-2 employment. I could probably get loans if mm -hmm. I needed them, but I didn't have much in the way of reserves, right? So I needed to get some reserves. And this is before I knew what I know now about partnerships and using private money and scaling. And, yeah. And, but to get started, I used my, my W-2 job to get a loan for my first property that I ended up flipping. Mm. And what, the reason I chose flipping initially is so that I could basically make some money to buy some rentals. And I didn't have any money. So I thought that was the only way. So to that was it. like the ultimate goal yeah. for sure. Yeah, buy rentals, mm -hmm. use that eventually to exceed my my active income and expenses or it, match my active income, exceed my expenses, get out of the rat race, mm -hmm. do it for a living. That was mm -hmm. that was the goal. So I'd flip a house, buy a rental, flip a house, buy a couple rentals, just kind of did that rinse and repeat for a while mm -hmm. up through the financial crisis in 2008. So I started in 2005, I bought my first investment property and then I continued doing that even when the Great Recession hit. And that honestly is, I mean, it, when I look back now, it, I look really smart for a lot of the decisions that I bought, <laughs> that I did back then. But in actuality, I got probably just bailed out by time. Mm. And that's the beauty of real estate. You don't have to be a genius at this mm. if you have enough time. So time makes you look really smart. Mm. So even, and I keep that in mind now when I'm looking at, should I do this deal or should I not do this deal? And if you have a long enough time horizon, it doesn't matter. You should do the deal typically mm -hmm. because five grand in today's dollars does not mean 
five thousand dollars ten years from now it's, it's gonna like be a way bigger number that quote right like uh don't wait to buy real estate buy, buy real, real estate, estate and, and wait. wait yep damn that was on sync right that's there. right <laughs> so yeah that's a great quote and it's there for a reason mm-hmm. but yeah i just i i kind of just continued doing that i was working at my full-time job but I, I was able to work from home. And what that afforded me was some time to take phone calls if I needed them. I was able to get a ton of work done really quickly at home so that I had the opportunity to you know run out and check on a contractor or run out and, and put a lockbox on a house or something like that, mm, right? Mm-hmm. But I did a lot of my own work on my first house and I'm terrible at it. I mean, terrible, terrible. <laughs> like, and I didn't have YouTube either. So it wasn't like, go Man. out and be like, oh, let's see a video on how to, you know, put this countertop on right i just did it i just didn't figure it out and it's funny i i, I meant to say that earlier before you continue sorry uh you, you mentioned that uh you know anything that you wanted to learn you would go and look for it mm-hmm. and and it reminds me of oh my god one of my biggest pet peeves nowadays and those of you listening don't do it to me uh when you're it could be as simple as like hey when's that concert that we're going for next week google it yeah. right yeah. like And it's as easy as that, or like, how do I change an engine on a 2005 Honda? Google it. (laughs) Like, yeah, there's so many answers out there. And I could tell that you're a Google person. Oh, yeah. Because I I am. (laughs) I I figure, well, I think back now. So when I worked for um, IBM, I was part of this project team that basically involved, they were trying to figure out who to lay off. This was during the the bad part of the economy, Mm -hmm. right? And I was on a team basically that was in charge of figuring out how many hundreds of people were going to lay off, who they're going to be, how we decided who was what. Mm -hmm. And it was this monster spreadsheet. So it kept track of everybody's service date, the amount of vacation time they had accrued, like basically what was the formula that's going to end up figuring out what amount they're going to make in severance. And I had no idea how to do this, <laughs> this spreadsheet because it involved like pivot tables and like all this complicated Excel stuff. And I'm like, my VP was like, here, Owen, you're in charge of this. This is your deal. Go get them. And I think I'm going back to what you just said was people like to be spoon fed information. Mm-hmm. And so they'll ask you if they know you're knowledgeable, mm-hmm. but I want to be somebody that you can tell me what to do and I'll go and figure it out. So I did research on it and I did get on YouTube on that one, I think. And uh, to figure out like, how, how do you do a macro? What is a, a pivot table and all that? But I figured it out. And, and I think that was always an approach that I took to things. And I don't remember, and I, I've taken so many punches and, and just gotten beat down on real estate deals over the years, but I never lacked belief that it worked. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times if you're getting into a business, people have one foot in, one foot out. And they'll say, well, if this doesn't work out, I'll just go back and go to school or I'll go back and get this job or whatever. Mm. There's nothing wrong with being prepared and having a, a backup plan. But I really think you have to figure the way out because people are successful in this business, period. You can see them. They're mm-hmm, everywhere. Mm-hmm. So I, you have to go into it with a mindset of, I know I can figure this out because it's not like they're that much more talented or smart than I am. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a pretty level playing field. So as long as you apply yourself, learn the things you should learn and do what you're supposed to be doing, I think you can figure out, figure it out. Everything's mm-hmm. figure outable. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Especially with Google nowadays. Exactly. <laughs> and because guess what? When you ask me, Hey, when's that concert next week? What do you think I'm doing? Googling it. <laughs> yeah. So I uh, love it. Love it. And uh, I, I would like to back up a little bit to uh, you mentioned, Oh, mm-hmm. I mean, how, how was that? Like, how are you still alive? 
08 was <laughs> it was bananas man. Yeah. I, I i did this um speaking engagement last week in des moines and it was all about the differences and similarities between 2008 and current day mm. right can we what, get some of that in here yeah, wow that, yeah what, what is the same what's different and we had four experienced investors that had done investing since, since then okay and have been you know still involved and that was really interesting. And like, basically, I think what, what what I look at when I think of 2008 is the uncertainty and fear that were going on in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. There was so much uncertainty. Nobody knew where the bottom was or what was going on or why it was happening. So I think the, the media continued to mm-hmm. pump out fear mongering and that continues to this day. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever is, is whatever yeah. is going on, it's always bad. In the media, yeah. like you turn it on, they promote, oh, it's bad. Interest rates are going up and, and et cetera, et cetera. Right. But I look back to that time. And, you know, it's funny real quick. It, I used to work second shift and I remember in the mornings I had the news on mm-hmm. and, and which is something that I do not do nowadays. I don't, uh, I don't yeah. watch the news. But I remember constantly every day and I'm like, oh, my God, what's happening? I just bought this house like, you know, around that because I my first house that I bought was in like 2012. So it was kind of towards the end. Mm-hmm. But up until then, I had been following it because I bought my house. For, you know, it was my first transaction ever. Yeah. So I was like scared. Like, w- w- I don't know what's going on. Like, this, what does it mean to me? So anyways, I don't don't watch the news. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, back then, uh, foreclosures were everywhere, mm-hmm. like because people couldn't adapt to what was going on with, um, you know, banks. In the financial markets cratering, people were just bailing on uh, homes. They were just getting foreclosed on right and left. So a lot of my first deals were foreclosures. So mm. I would buy bank-owned properties. But you were talking about 2008 in particular. Mm-hmm. And at that that year, there was a first-time homebuyer tax credit that expired. Mm-hmm. Basically, it gave any new homebuyer $8,000 that they could apply toward the down payment of their house. So if they got an FHA loan, they could essentially get a free house. Now, there's a reason why we had a market crash because mm-hmm. they were giving out all these liar loans and, you know, a whole bunch of, you know, financial instruments were, that shouldn't have existed, did exist. But I had that first time homebuyer tax credit expired and I had four flips going on at one time. They're all entry level starter homes that you're Ooh. typically going to sell to an FHA buyer. And wow, that, that didn't go well. Like I took, a, I took an L on a couple of those and I didn't make much money on the other two. And I was like, okay. I have to get better at buying these and pay better attention to what is going on that is specific to my buyer type. Mm, Right. mm -hmm. But I kept on buying and I found a couple of banks because I kept asking and asking and asking around. And I found a couple that grew with me, my hometown bank, Malvern, Iowa, Malvern bank. They were awesome. Mm -hmm. Like I, they would loan me, they would loan me the purchase price and some rehab money. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, they were like, Especially at that time. Yes, that was unheard of at the time. So I was like, how many of these can I do again? And they're like, well, let's just do one at first. Let's start. So I I quickly grew enough to where I maxed out how much they could lend to me because of their legal lending limit. And then I went to another bank. I got referred to them by another investor and I started buying more with them. And so I just kind of kept it going. And and eventually uh, I had built up enough single families where I started not doing a good job at managing them. Mm. I was managing, self-managing my rentals until I hit about 20 units. And then I figured out that I was doing a crappy job of managing them, doing my W-2 job, 
paying enough attention to my wife and now a new child, mm. right? Because my daughter was born in 2008. So oh, I had a lot going on and I had to make the decision on, like I spent all this time building up cash flow to hopefully eclipse my expenses mm-hmm. so I can get out of the rat race. That was my goal. And I'm like, well, I don't want to give up my cash flow by turning it over to a property manager. Mm-hmm. And then the first one I did, they got it rented like for a hundred bucks more than I would have uh, in, a, in like a week. It would have taken me forever <laughs> to get the, to get it done and do all the showings and all the BS involved mm-hmm. with it. And I was like, wow, I'm dumb. Mm-hmm. So I, I was able to learn. What year was this? This was, um, let's see, 2000. 12 okay yeah okay and and i guess what happened in between that like so so that bank kind of helped you keep up flow and still do deals throughout the time so you were still flipping and Mm -hmm. you were still buying investment properties at the same time that's right okay okay cool i just wanted to kind of not miss the four years there so so you made it through that um so that was a wow moment then when you turned in your first uh rental in it was when, when I think back to all of the epiphanies that I've had along the way, that was a big one for me. Okay. And that was, you don't have to do everything yourself. Mm. That that's what I, that was my aha moment where I can pay somebody to do these things that I'm not great at anyway. Mm-hmm. And like we talked about before we started recording, I'm kind of a softy for people. <laughs> so I'm not the world's best landlord anyway. And I don't raise rents like I should. I'm, you know, I'm a sucker for, uh, you know, somebody's hard story, mm-hmm. heartfelt story. Yeah. Yeah. So it didn't work out too yeah. well. <laughs> but that was a, it was a big aha moment for me that I don't have to do it all myself. And it's not the end of the world to give up a little bit of cash mm-hmm. flow, because if you hire somebody that's better at your job than you are, they can probably do it more efficiently and for cheaper than you can. Mm. Wow. So yeah. I was costing myself money by being in my own way. Yeah. Mm. That's what I learned. Love it. Love it. And, uh, you did the one. So then was that one of those moments where like, Hey, here, take my portfolio. Like I, well, I peeled off the one and then the next one that I bought, instead of uh, mm-hmm. getting a tenanted mm-hmm. myself and, and doing the turn, I turned that over to them. So it was kind of like, I kept the ones that I'd had from that moment on. Yeah. My, my approach to buying those was always, I would rehab them to a point where they were almost a flip. And then okay. I'd refinance them, which is now called Burr. Mm-hmm. I would refi them, get my money back out, and they were basically done, right? Mm-hmm. So ma- pretty maintenance-free. I didn't have to deal with annoying you know, maintenance calls mm-hmm. and the plumbing leaks mm-hmm. and, and all that stuff. So I wanted to have them like done, done, and then they were leased up. So I was like, well, why would I turn this over now mm-hmm. after I'm already... So I, I still kind of ate it. I, yeah. I managed a little bit of myself, but I learned something out of doing that, which yeah. is to take all your new stuff and turn it over to them. Mm. Love it, love it. So then what happens because 2017 is when you left your job, right? Yeah. So 12 to 17, but like what, what happened in between that? Oh, so much. (laughs) I think it was 2014. I bought my first small multifamily. So I bought a a fourplex and I started doing direct mail during that timeframe. So I was, I was sending letters to hopefully motivated sellers of properties that I kind of cherry picked. So I made a list of Carter Lake, which is where I live. I would make uh, an entire list of that. And then I would target like absentee owners and people that didn't live at the property that I want to buy. Mm. And I would send out, you know, small batches of letters and I started buying some stuff off that. And then I ended up buying a fourplex from a friend of mine that had one. And I was like, I don't want to buy multifamily. I got to deal with drama, mm-hmm. people like mad at other people because they're parking in their spot or walking too loud mm-hmm. up above them. But I did it. 
And I managed that one because I wanted to learn what that meant mm-hmm. to manage a multifamily property. And I did that. And then I ended up buying some smaller stuff. So like a sixplex, a fourplex, a duplex. And then I bought a little bit bigger. So an eight unit, a 12 mm-hmm. unit. And uh, that kind of happened during that time frame. So I started scaling up by focusing more on multifamily as opposed to just houses, but I would still flip houses. So mm. I would flip residential uh, single families to make money so that I could use that money as a down payment for multifamily. Mm. And ideally mm. the multifamily that I would buy, I would still do value add on them. So I'd buy them, rehab them, juice the values, get them released at higher rates. And then I'd refi, get that money back out and rinse and repeat. Mm. So I kind of snowballed that way, just mm-hmm. started, you know, scaling up by unit size and getting a little bit bigger properties. Mm. Okay. Wow. That is awesome. So then boom, 17, you're like, I'm free. How, how was that moment? Well, in 17, were you scared? Cause I, I was scared. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I, I was like, <laughs> I was, um, I did basically a full year where I did almost a proof of concept. So I put up a website and started doing pay-per-click marketing. So basically you put up a site and then you pay to have traffic driven to you by doing Google AdWords. So in real estate, it's sell my house fast. We buy houses, you know, cash for your house. There's search phrases Mm -hmm. like that, where if you enter them into Google, you're probably going to get results. And the top three results will be paid ads. So that's where I started. We're going to name this episode something about Google. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, right? yeah. So uh, I put up that site and I ended up doing about 20 houses that year. Wow. And ended up making double my full-time oh job my salary. God. So I was like, I know I can do this. This works. And then that's when I, um, that's when I started to put kind of a plan together to quit. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Love it. Love it. And uh, those of you listening, I mean, resilient guys like uh you could have quit in 2008 when you were like oh man you know this is not working right now yeah you could have just gone back so i love that consistency i mean you kept at it so uh all right so now that we're kind of we kind of made it uh (laughs) up the hill um what happened next then because now you and actually if you could let us know uh the companies that you own so that way uh, we can kind of touch on each one Sure. Um, okay. So I formed Red Ladder Property Solutions in 2018 uh, with my partner, Brandon Tauber. So that is our direct to seller marketing business where we do pay-per-click and direct mail and you know some other methods to generate leads that we then buy and either we flip them, wholesale them, wholesale them, or we keep them as rentals. So basically we have a marketing funnel, which is, which is our red ladder business. And then we, based on the leads that we get in, we figure out what we're going to do with that property. Are we going to sell it? Are we going to keep it? And when we keep it, uh, we've got red ladder rentals. So we've got, uh, Brandon and I together have probably about, I'm going to say like 30 or so, um, doors. So we've got mostly small multifamily. So we've got a bunch of duplexes and then single families and areas that we really like. So, before he and I got together, I had about 90 doors of my own. So mm. I still have those. And then he and I had bought some stuff. And then after he and I got together, I've got some other partners and other businesses that we can also talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, is that what you were? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and you mentioned something there. Uh, so how do you choose if like, okay, there's this property that comes in through the partnership that you have. And if you want it or he wants it, like what, how do you guys figure that out? 
Oh, well, or do you guys just do it together? Uh, yeah. At that all, point. We're together. Okay. Yeah. In that, if we, if we pay for a lead, we're buying it together. Mm-hmm. So we have our business basically 50, 50, same money in same mm-hmm. money out. So we have it set up as a, an LLC taxes and S corp. So we take a, you know, we have a payroll set up mm-hmm. and then at the end of the year, we take distributions out if money builds up. Oh, okay. So we take, we basically, we say, do we want to own it in this part of town? Mm-hmm. And if the answer is yes, then we, then mm-hmm. we buy it and keep it. Okay. So if it came through that partnership, then you both decide exactly. at the end yep. what to do. Okay. Yep. And I'm sure, has there ever been a moment where he sells you out on one or you sell him out on one? No, there have no. been, there have been times where I found like off market stuff. That's a, maybe it doesn't fit our normal criteria. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, Hey, I have this 20 unit and counts of bluffs. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to, I want to buy it. Yeah. Are, do you, are you, are you interested? And if he's like, nah, I'm not really go ahead. That's yeah. that, that has yeah. happened. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And yeah, but, but we've been clear about that. So yeah. we have communication about it. It's not like he like, he's never going to come to me and say, Hey, I saw you bought that house last yeah. week. That doesn't happen. Yeah. So we have clear communication about what, you know, what's going on in the business, what our marketing spend is for, and then what we're going to do with the places. Mm, yeah. Okay. But he's been a good partner. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And then the so the 90 doors that th- those were the ones that you've been talking about that you yeah. kind of built up throughout the years okay mm-hmm. so uh but it doesn't stop there no because you you have a few other things uh going on it, it, and if we could move forward to that uh how sure. did you meet colin let's start with that oh okay so colin schwartz and i met he called me by finding me on bigger pockets mm. so i i was i haven't been lately but i was pretty active on bp I, in the forums, basically, mm-hmm. I just make all kinds of posts. I'd reply to people and I'd give my thoughts on things and, and all that, ask questions. And he found me on there because he had the bug. He wanted mm-hmm. to get started in real estate investing. And he called me. Um, he said, I saw you on Bigger Pockets. Can I buy you lunch? I really want to make this a thing. And I'm like, yeah, sure. So I took a lunch with him. We went, talked, and hit it off. And he's just a goofball. I mean, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, I love Colin. Shout out to Colin. Yeah, too. Colin Schwartz. Good dude. <laughs> So we talked and talked and talked, and then he ended up um, basically putting together the first meetup in Omaha mm-hmm, for real estate investors outside of the RIA. So he started the Omaha real estate meetup, and then he, I, I, full credit goes to him for all that. So it was his baby and his brainchild and all that. I ha- have helped him over the years kind of get guests lined up, figure mm-hmm. out locations. I MC. Um, you know, a lot of the discussions mm-hmm. that we have with guests and, and so forth, but he's, man, he's done so much in such a short amount of time, but uh, yeah, he and I met there and then we ended up starting. Uh, so between Colin, uh, Chris Pomerlew and Brandon Tauber, we started a hard money lending business called liquid lending solutions. Mm-hmm. That was in 2020. Mm-hmm. So we okay. started that. Uh, we started that two years ago in September. Um, and that has been really cool. We've met, so many people over the last few years being involved in the meetups and just out in the public and, and going on networking mm-hmm. meetings with people mm-hmm. that those people are now our customers. So you will have flippers and people that buy and uh, rehab and, and keep as rentals that come to us. So we've done, I think, right around, uh, don't quote me on this, but it's, it's like 240 or 250 loans in mm. two years. Wow. And so we've kind of caught some traction with that group. And then we started branching out into other markets where we know some people like Des Moines, Lincoln, uh, Branson, Missouri, Kansas City, um, you know, like Michigan. So we've, we've kind of expanded to other wow. states too. 
That's that, been fun. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. And you have a thing, Owen, that uh, you you mention a lot. Where is it? Every week you have to meet with somebody. Yeah. yeah if you could touch a little bit of like what's behind that, or why do you do that? Oh, okay. So I I don't know that I've ever met anybody that has this as an actual like KPI, like a key performance indicator for your business. My one of mine is I want to meet with somebody new every week that I either have not ever met with before. And they don't necessarily need to be an experienced person that's going to move the needle for my business. But I want to do both give back to newer investors. So give them the chance to ask me questions on how I get started. Hopefully I can share some things along the way. And then those people hopefully will be, you know, energized by that meeting and catch some, some traction later. Who knows? We may end up doing business together. We may be business partners. They may not ever talk to me again, but mm -hmm. I really don't care. That's not the point of it. But I also will meet with other people that are experienced in the real estate space. So whether they're brokers, other investors, um, you know, people in the in the banking business. But at the end of the year, if you are consistently doing that every single week, you will have as a scorecard 52 lunch or coffee meetings with brand new people that are going to do nothing but help your business. Mm. And I look at my business in, in its entirety and I say, the only thing that limits me is the quality and the quantity of my center of influence mm. of the people that I know. And if I keep expanding that people, then I'm literally limitless in mm. what I can do. Mm -hmm. As long as I have still have the drive and the interest and the, and the capacity to do it with other things I have going on. Mm. Right. So that's, yeah. that's why I have that. And I love that you have it as an actual thing too. Like, Hey, no, like it's like KPI. In my yeah, like, like <laughs> This is happening. Like, and, and sometimes I'll have, you know, and, I, and I'll say I am pretty vigilant about schedules. So I, I, you know, if I'm traveling, then I'll stack up two in, in the previous week or the mm -hmm. following week. Mm -hmm. So I like, I, it happens. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, been, I've been doing that for <laughs> about four years now. Mm. And uh, that, I mean, you know, over 200 people that I've met with. So it's, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and the, I, and it's enjoyable. Yeah. It's not yeah, like, yeah. it's like a chore you that know? you have like, to do it. Yeah, yeah. See, who am I meeting with today? Yeah. This kind of goes back to my, my history as a, as a recruiter and just interviewing people mm -hmm. and you would make a great recruiter, by the way, because you have a knack for interviewing people. Mm. That's what, and you have to be genuinely interested, not just go through the motions. Mm. And mm. I'm, I'm just a curious guy. Yeah. So well, we I just, Google stuff. So yeah, that's right. <laughs> so I like digging into people's story. Yeah, I like yeah. finding out why they are, who they are, mm -hmm. what they've done to be successful, what didn't work for them, what did mm -hmm. all those things. Love it. Love it, man. Such a powerful story, Owen. Uh, the, yeah, the, I'm still kind of taking it all in. Like there's so much info on there. Uh, some great info. And off air, we were talking about this moment that you had. And, and it seems like there's these moments that happen in life where mm -hmm. you do, whether it's a great reminder, uh, you know, where you see how blessed you are and or or something that can like it's happened to me where it hits you and you're like, oh, my God, if I do this one thing that just hit my mind boom, in the next five years, we're set, you know, or, or I could do this in the next five years. So you had a moment like that. If you could explain to us what that moment was that you had. Yeah, I had. So, so I, I remember two things. One is I look back to uh, 2017 and I had a lot of stuff going on in my life at the time. Like I was, let's see. So I hit 40 and I'm 47 now. So doing the math here, I was probably, I think 41 or two where I probably had a little bit of a midlife crisis. And I said, I am going to be doing this 
when I, I'm going to look up and I'm going to be 62, not 42. Mm. And I'm going to say, well, that was fun. I, I had the opportunity at any given time during that time period where I could have left my job to pursue what I'm really interested in. And I didn't do it. Mm. And I had, I had some other stuff. Like I, I had, a, I had a cancer scare um, several years back. And that was also a catalyst for me to get off my butt and make some decisions that are going to get me out of my comfort zone. Mm, wow. Uh, so fast forward to about last week. And I, I realized for the first time that I am living the dream of 2017 Owen right now. And I was, you know, we, we were talking, we were talking with your wife. It's so easy to get caught up in the day to day and be like, Oh, I have this problem to deal with this issue. Oh, those people are making me upset or whatever. And it's stuff doesn't always flow, right? Mm -hmm. It's life challenges happen every day. Accomplishments happen, you know, less frequently, but if you really take a step back and you say, I did a lot of stuff. It goes back to the people underestimate what they can do in five years and overestimate what they can do in one year. Mm. If, I, if I look at the cumulative effect of what happened to me in five years of surrounding myself with people that are way smarter than me and more successful, and I do that on a regular basis, I have been pulled up into the basically jet stream of other people that have been doing really cool stuff. Mm. So I can't take credit for it, but I had that epiphany where I said, I need to be thankful and recognize what actually happened here. That is I'm living Owen 2017 Owens dream life mm-hmm, right now. Mm-hmm. I have my own schedule. I can sit here and I can come to a podcast in mm-hmm. Lincoln and hang with yeah. you and talk about this kind of stuff. Yeah. I started my own podcast. I've got multiple partners that are kick-ass. I've yeah. got multiple businesses. So this is me saying I'm appreciative and I'm thankful for all that I have. And I'm doing things that I never dreamed I'd be able to do, or that I only dreamed I would be able to do yeah. five years ago. Well, and that's why uh, it, you're definitely the example of like, the more gratitude you show, the more of those things come. And it goes the other way too. You're negative and, and it, it's almost, I don't know, call it law of attraction or, you know, whatever, uh, you know, I'm faithful. So to me, God, right. And mm-hmm. uh, w- what's that? correlation like is there now looking back because you just said with that moment that you had uh, five years ago do you do that more purposely now like is that more of a purpose that you do in your life I started doing more of the things that I had known I should be doing like journaling Mm. and nothing like crazy like I don't spend like walking on on fire yeah no not that but I I would uh I would just make notes of like this was a good day or these are things I'm worrying about. And then the crazy thing is when you look back on those, you're like, man, I can't believe I was so worried about that. And you can tell too, because it comes through in your writing. Wow. But even if you do just a half page, or even if it's a full little page, but you can be like, here's what's on my mind. Here's, you know, this week's accomplishments. Here's what I'm worried about. Mm-hmm. And then you can build off of that and look back on it later. And you can be like, man, yeah. I'm so far. So I think appreciate, you know, building more appreciation into your, into your life it is only going to help you. Mm. what so i have this question um that and i i and i'm just gonna lay it out like for some reason and i have a whole chapter called what you fear is what you need to do next but Mm. because you mentioned right now that um you know if you write down the things that that are bugging you or you know and then you look back you're like wow i was worried about that do you still worry 
do you still have fear? Because it's something that I fight through. And, and it's funny because it's like, I'm trying my best to practice what I preach, right? For sure. And it almost like that, like the power of being uncomfortable comes to my head, right? Like I'm like, no, you know what? It's time to get uncomfortable. And, and then I just, that's how you keep climbing. But then I journal and I point because I have my journal back here uh, every morning too. And it, it is true. And there's times where I catch myself. I'm like, why is this even a thing? Like in, in 10 years from now, is that really going to matter? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So do you have those moments still where you're like, why am I still fear? For example, with me, it's like coming where I'm coming from with poverty. It's like, the, you know, the, the fear of like losing it all and starting again, yeah. you know, it, it wasn't fun. <laughs> I was a happy dude, but it wasn't fun. So do you have those moments? For sure. I still have, uh, here, here's one thing I try to keep in mind. I don't always, but I try to, if I'm excited about it and scared, then I should probably do it mm. because you get opportunities that come up all the time. And mm-hmm. it, as you experience some success and not all of them are ones you should say yes to, mm-hmm. but if you're excited about something yet scared because you're, you're comfortable, that should tell you that you should probably get out of your comfort zone and take that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's become more of like, you know, going to Des Moines and being on a panel last week, was I uncomfortable doing that? Of course. Yeah. I didn't know anybody there. I knew like two people and there's 60 mm-hmm. people I don't know, but I did it. And I'm mm-hmm. so glad I did. I look back now, it was a good opportunity for both me and my partner to help grow our business, but I met some kick-ass people mm-hmm. there too. So I think I have to keep that in mind, in the back of my mind. It, do I get scared? Yes, absolutely. Um, and do things bother me? Of course they do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm more appreciative now than I ever have been and also, I, I think if you reflect back on those mm-hmm. things, so, t- so taking stock of your current life will mm-hmm. help you appreciate mm-hmm. it later on. Yeah. Yeah. Which is uh, like the gap in the game, the gap in the game, uh, you know, where it's like, let's go back. And it's definitely, and after, before reading that book, I'm like, wow, I, I, me and the wife do this. So it, it is a thing, you know, it is a thing. And, and I think that's where happiness comes from because, uh, I have this thing that I tell my mastermind group and the one-on-one coaching that I do is like, you know, we're not going to use the word comfortable. Like let's use happy. We're happy where we're at, but because I think once you get into that comfort where, you know, you know, and I went through that Owen and and that's why I bring it, bring it up is because uh, I told you that I had a moment too, where I was like, Whoa, like I, I will never forget this. We, we had a, I had a concert in Omaha that I performed at great show came back and it was literally me and my wife in my van with, you know, I had my name wrapped up around it and all these uh, promotions on it. Uh, and I remember pulling up to the house that we lived at at that time, we were happy, right? Like none of my family had owned a house, you know what I mean? So it was like a big thing for me and the wife anyways. Uh, and so I remember pulling up and, and it was like 3am or something, 4am. And, uh, looking at it and and that's where it hit me i'm like hey look i'm like we are we are where we are right now because of our thinking for the past five ten years i'm like and imagine if we change our thinking from now on we could change it and then boom so it like that's why i related to when you were telling me that story like it's giving me goosebumps right (laughs) chills because it's so true And, and i think those of you listening like you could literally write your story and, and people forget that uh, that's a thing. So what would you say to somebody that maybe is struggling right now and they have no idea where to go? Like, how can they rewrite their story? Oh, that's good. 
I have, I'm going to, I'm going to tie into that if it's okay. Yes. So please. when, when I had, like I mentioned, kind of my midlife crisis for lack of a better term, what happened, what happened at that time was I took stock of what I, what I was doing in relation to what I had the capability to do. And I, and this is hard to quantify, but I felt like I was living seven, I was 70% of the man that I could have been. Mm, wow. When I took stock at my, not just so my, good. my work life or my business, but my, my family, my, my personal relationships, my employer, my business, all that. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was not happy. And that, and that is a, that is a brutal truth moment where if you're really honest about yourself fulfilling your own potential, that is a hard mm-hmm. thing to do. And actually, if you're, if you're honest with yourself, you're not going to be happy mm-hmm. with the results because you know, you're capable of so mm-hmm. much more. So I wanted to make some drastic changes, but do it in a way that was going to stick. Not like if you want to lose weight, you do this, you know, mm-hmm. South beach diet and lose, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, 50 pounds and then you gain it back the next year. Yeah. Right. I wanted to have sustainable growth and, and not take advantage. Infinity. We would yeah, say. Yeah. I wanted to, I wanted exponential growth mm-hmm. in areas that I had some control over, uh, like, you know, like personal fitness and, and uh, just mindset and mm-hmm. those things. So I started reading books systematically. I started, you know, doing like atomic habits. Mm-hmm. I really made that a practice on just doing things a little bit more and have that accumulate over time. Mm-hmm. So I think um, that, that happened to me. So I had this kind of like, man, I should write a book. And so I, I've got some unfinished yeah, things yeah. out there. Awesome. But- and if you need any help, let me know. I, I will never, I can give you a list of uh, mistakes that I made, which that was the whole point of that book. Yeah, by the way. <laughs> but the, the 70 the 70% thing really, really, yeah. bothered. it bothered me enough to make me get off my butt and do some pretty drastic things that eventually led to me and, you know, leaving my job. And it, it, it's crazy on because uh, I have this thing where it's like, uh, thank God we are where we are. Right. Uh, and, and it's nice. Like I just told you my weekend and this morning I literally decided not to wake up. I'm like, yeah, hey, I'm shutting my alarm off. And granted, you know, I took probably three calls on my bed, like I, around 8 AM sure. or something, you know, for my guys and stuff. Uh, but, but I feel like that's the freedom that, uh, that this whole thing brings. And, and it's the freedom of like, like I said, all weekend being with my kids and, and my wife and all that. Um, when when you're the, the toughest thing though is when you're struggling through it to get there like what what's some words that you would tell somebody that's going through that because it's like they see the lifestyle you have now or you know the, like you said it, it's what it's noon right now um and we're in lincoln recording a podcast like yeah <laughs> when uh, most people are on their lunch break that they have to hustle back in 30 minutes mm-hmm. you know i think the best way to approach how you're taking stock of yourself is to not compare your first inning with someone else's seventh inning Mm. to make a sports analogy. But if somebody is looking at me and I constantly still have imposter syndrome, because I think the reason for it is, is because I feel like I haven't accomplished everything that I'm up. That's that my potential says Mm -hmm. I could. So my unfulfilled potential leads me to feel like an imposter. If somebody comes up and gives me a, a compliment, like, oh, thanks. You know, I don't, I don't deserve that compliment mm-hmm. in my head, but mm-hmm. I'm trying to get better at that and mm-hmm. just say, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. But in my head, I doesn't always stick where I'm like, I don't know if I believe that you really think that I'm good at mm-hmm. whatever it is you're complimenting mm-hmm. me about. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 So, so I think it's, it, I've, I've had that. I've had that. And, and it wasn't, I, 
I would be a liar. Like if I didn't say that it was probably the last two years that I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start taking compliments and it's confidence. Uh, that's my word for the year, even this year because of it. And if I was to be honest, Owen, the reason why I wasn't confident, not that I wasn't confident, but the reason why even where I'm at right now, I could be higher, but guess why I'm not there because of the relationships that I had, mm -hmm. the people that were holding me back, uh, you know, 10 years ago, or it's been like 20 years that I started rapping, for example, uh, when I started rapping, if I would have been mindful of that and be like, okay, I don't need these 20 people around me because it did happen. There were people that I would sign and I had 10 albums already out. And then they wanted my success with the first album or the first song, if anything, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I, I relate to what you just said with the seven inning. Um, with that being said, uh, because like the, the tagline with the million dollar hustle podcast is the, uh, think like a millionaire, but hustle like you're broke. Mm -hmm. And it's something that um, I was making at a point earlier that, one thing I've learned and, and you were kind of going towards that is uh, no matter where you're at in life, I think you still need to hustle, right? You still need to work hard because I feel like if you don't, because like right now I could be like, yeah, hey, I'm happy, comfortable, whatever you want to call it with where I'm at with music, where I'm at with this podcast, where I don't have to write another book or I don't have to buy another property if any. And I know you, you're in the same boat, mm -hmm. but it's not, it, when you, when you decide to go the other route, it's like you start dying. You know what I mean? Because you're now you're not following your dreams. And, and I feel like that's what keeps us alive is, and especially when you're touching people. So like, hopefully, even if it's one person that listens to this, you know, recording, at least we're changing that person. So uh, the whole hustle thing, and, and that was the point I was trying to make was like, but there are days like today where I was like, no, you know what, I don't have to go on my two mile run. And and write my goals and you know all that it's like no you know what this is the freedom and it is okay too those of you who are listening it is okay resting is part of the equation too we forget that a lot um but you still gotta hustle like i said i wake up every morning like, all right i'm broke and maybe that's why i need to change what i was saying earlier where it's like where's that line where it's like you don't have that fear right like okay i need to buy this next property what if it doesn't go as planned and then i lose that way and it's like just do it. Like just hustle mm -hmm. because you, you got to wake up with that mentality. And I know you do, and not just you, but your partners that you you're, you're surrounding yourself mm -hmm. with. I know uh, you're, I mean, you were on a conference call on the way here, you mm -hmm. know, and, and stuff like that. So if you could elaborate with what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're getting back to like kind of the newbie versus uh, yeah. some of its experience. Yeah. So I think uh, I have this saying that I, I'm sure I stole from someone, but I don't know who it is. The, so it's bacon and eggs. The chicken is involved, but the pig is committed. Mm. Right. And I think if you're new at whatever you're interested in, you have, you have to have a level of belief, but you also have to have a level of commitment, mm. not just being involved and being, you know, being around. And I, I, I compare it to this. So mm -hmm. you ever go to real estate meetups or like RIAs or things like that? And you see the same, you know, set of new people around mm -hmm. there and they go because they like being around it. Mm -hmm. It's fun. It's fun mm -hmm. to learn. It's fun to be around real estate investors. we got great stories. We're yeah. generally pretty funny. Um, you know, you can hear yeah. about bad stuff that happened and <laughs> successes and all that. But you'll have people that just want the education and they never do it. Mm -hmm. So they're going to be in the same boat they were in five years ago. Mm -hmm. But if you have that level, level of um, commitment to actually doing the things that are going to move the needle on whether or not you're successful, 
That's the thing that matters. It's not doing, it's not being a, around and being involved. It's saying, what do I need to do to make this work? And you mm. have to do those things. So I think going down that path, I know I'm not getting very specific here, but if you have the ability to get around people that are doing the things you want to do, you, you do have the ability, go grab coffee with them, grab lunch with them, go mm-hmm. to happy hours, whatever it is. If you're at a meetup and there's two people around and they're experienced and they're talking, listen to what they're saying. Mm-hmm. The more you can learn about it. And, and if you go out and you listen to the right podcasts and, and invest in yourself, which is learning, you know, by reading books and audio books and podcasts and all those things, you're going to be successful, but you mm-hmm. have to be committed. You have to believe in it and you have to do the work mm-hmm. and, and the education. Mm-hmm. So I think it's all those things. Yeah. Yeah. And it's crazy because uh, you mentioned like the, you taking compliments nowadays, like, and, and it's true. And, and I think I, I literally put them together next to the, the relationships that, because that's where your confidence come from. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, whoever you were, because you mentioned nowadays, you're hanging out with different people, right. Yeah. And, and you have to, it's growth. Uh, and at that point, I feel like that's where now you are able to take compliments because the, whoever you were with, you know, 10 years ago, 50 or however many years ago, killed that confidence to where you couldn't take compliments because it was funny to say oh you're this ha 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 you know and you had no choice but to laugh about it like oh when are you gonna stop rapping when are you you know and and, oh yeah when are you gonna get a real job yeah exactly a real estate investor or a rapper or whatever yeah or what you're writing a book yeah you know and but but it's like once you level up to be around so so with that being said uh what you're big on relationships because yeah. based on your story, I mean, literally all, all the success that you're having is with relationships. Yeah. Uh, what are some stuff that you've learned about relationships just overall? And then let's go with business relationships real quick. And then, and if you have any stories or any wisdom just from relationships overall. Mm, yeah, that's good. I think so. Okay. Relationships in general, my, my philosophy on that is, your true north and your beliefs overall have to be in alignment in general for you to have a long-term successful business relationship with that person. So the litmus test for me, if I'm meeting with somebody and they're saying things that don't jive with what, how I view the world, like family isn't important, Mm. or like maybe they describe some type of ethical dilemma where they went the route they shouldn't have. Where you could that do you the, wouldn't do exactly okay. where, where I, I would not have made the choice they did. Maybe they, they took the easy buck instead of doing the right thing. Wow. Maybe they talk about situations where it didn't work out with other partners and they say it was them, 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 mm. or, wow. or situations where they're, they are constantly blaming people instead of taking accountability. Then I don't want to do business with somebody mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. I want to be on board with somebody that is going to, I know I can count on them. They, they're going to do what they say they're going to do. And if they don't, if they screw up, they own it because that happens to me all the time. Mm-hmm. Everybody screws up. Yeah. Right. But I want, I want accountability. I want a good, true North uh, foundational trustworthy relationship that it's hard to, you know, it, it's hard to quantify what that is, but you'll know it mm-hmm. when you don't have it. Mm-hmm. So if you're meeting with somebody and you're like, eh, could I partner with them? Then probably not. Mm-hmm. Mm, wow. Wow. So gut, definitely get that gut feeling that they say, yeah, you're big on that. It, it, it I, I am. Like and it, it's, it, it, 
it has yet to like fail me fully fully because even yeah. the i'm assuming even the stuff because i go through this where i know it's bad but i like we were talking about helping people for example and you know that you help that person and you're like well it's probably not going to work out at the end but you still do it but it was the gut telling you that like do you have those moments too yeah. where you know you shouldn't but you did yeah. it okay yeah. i thought i was alone there <laughs> no 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 i we, we were talking about this too where i'm like I'm a sucker and I'm a sucker for a sob story a lot of times. So I probably have done stuff at my personal detriment to help somebody else out. Mm-hmm. And I'm hundred percent fine with that. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. now granted, if I did less of that, that involved like loaning money to people I shouldn't <laughs> loan money to in my personal life, then maybe that, you know, maybe I should look. A little yeah. Bit more yeah. At that, but. No. And, and it, yeah, it, there's definitely uh like just, the whole partnership thing is crazy because uh, one thing that uh, I heard that I never forget, uh, and actually the owner from the rocket said this, uh, and he's a multi-billionaire, you know, and one thing he said is don't partner with people that have less money than you. Mm. And that hit me because I, I, up to this point, it's been, I've been always lifting people, right? Like, like I said, Oh, you have, you don't rap, but here, dude, like, let me help you put this album together. Oh, you haven't written a book. Let me help you put this book together. Oh, you know, let's partner with, with, uh, real estate, with, uh, construction stuff. Uh, but it's, it's always me trying to help that next person. And it almost bites you in the butt. That is a very interesting. I'm trying to mentally poke holes in that statement. And I I don't know that I can. Yeah. Um, when you, and we talked about this a little bit, but when you introduce money into the equation, Mm -hmm. people can change Mm -hmm. and they can change Mm -hmm. for the better Mm -hmm. or for the worse. Yeah. So it's almost like it shines a black light on their character. Mm. Wow. Yeah. You know, and and I think there's something to that where if you are the one that is basically pulling somebody up yeah. to your level, maybe financially, let's say, mm-hmm. and you're the one providing all the money and, and their sweat equity, generally there develops some resentment mm-hmm. over time because they feel like, well, I'm doing all the work. Mm-hmm. They're just sitting back. And you're like, well, yeah, do you remember that yeah. we, I did everything to help get this started, yeah. put all the framework together, put up all the yeah. money Yeah, that changes things over time. But yeah. yeah, if you're equally invested financially and like, you know, just from a work perspective, if you're equally invested, that doesn't happen mm, mm-hmm. because you're, well, I mean, it could happen, yeah, but, but it's less like less like, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, no, that's, 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 that's big right there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna have to listen to that over. Yeah. <laughs> love it. Love it. All right, man. Well, do you have to go? Because I want to keep going. No, go ahead, man. It's, I, feel, I feel bad about eating up all your, uh, no, all, your all my here. memory. Yeah. No, love it, love it, man. Uh, I, I, I want to thank you again, Owen. This has been amazing. Uh, and to start kind of wrapping things up, uh, it sounds like financials is not happiness, right? So I like to ask this question: like, what is happiness? Yeah, what's happiness to you? For me, happiness is uh, is the ability to not miss any of my family's activities if I choose to. Mm. Happiness is being able to um, free my day up if I if I really want to. Happiness is being able to travel um, and not worry about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so yeah, it's not all financial, but it's a lot of the things that being successful financially can provide you with. Mm -hmm. So freedom of schedule, I think is equals happiness for me Mm. Uh, and um, allows me to spend time doing the things I really want to instead of the things I really have to. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. That, that is, I'm right behind that with freedom. That that was the main reason why we did what we did. So (laughs) love it, love it. Um, And then 
obviously I wrote the power of being uncomfortable. So I have to ask you, which, I mean, your whole story has been that, but uh, what's one moment uh, that comes to mind where you practice the power of being uncomfortable and it gave you fruit? Mm. Well, I'm in the middle of one right now. Mm. So I have new business partners in a hotel conversion syndication mm. in Branson, Missouri. That, so I've never invested anywhere outside of the Omaha and mm -hmm. surrounding market. So that's a, that's uncomfortable for me. Mm -hmm. And they're new partners. So that's a little bit yeah. of uncomfortableness too, mm -hmm. although they're great. Yeah. Yeah. And then three, I've never done a syndication on my own as a general partner. So there's three, several big things in there that yeah. I've never done before that I've been around and I have yeah. people I can lean on, but you know, and it's funny one because it, it just hit me too that, uh, that you, you, I literally asked you the question and it went to the present. Yeah. And if I would have asked you this question five years ago, it would have gone to what you were going through then. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So what does that tell you is this is that growth path. That is the next thing that you're meant to do. So five years from now, you're looking back and be like, Oh, I'll do that again. You know, <laughs> you know, you're right. And it, this could take my like business in a whole different direction. And the things, and maybe this doesn't go according to plan, it probably won't, but I've learned so much already about this that I'm excited enough to where I, I can see this hitting like a hockey stick. You know, this could be the point of inflection where things change and I choose to do this type of, you know, mm. thing moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that because I don't have enough time removed, but yeah. I think if I look back a year from now, I can yeah. point, pinpoint that love moment <laughs> of being uncomfortable, man. Yeah. Love it. Love it. And, uh, if you were to look back at your younger self, what is some advice that you would give yourself for wisdom purposes? Mm. I, I, I go back to surrounding yourself with people by consistently injecting yourself into, into their lives and, and don't make excuses on why you're not doing that. So I think that's a very easily manageable thing where you could go out and just grab coffee with people that you look up to or respect, or maybe they're in a position uh, that a year, five years, 10 years, a career later, you could be in mm. and getting time with those people. And if you do just that thing, I think over the course of a couple of years, your life is going to be completely different. Mm. Wow. So yeah. if I was going to go back and give young Owen advice, I'd be like, don't go out to the bar so much and blow money. Chasing tail. Read, yeah. Read, read, read more books, uh, listen to podcasts and, uh, and keep doing the, you know, once a week meeting with people mm. and you could do it more than once a week. If you yeah. want. I mean, I'm yeah. just doing what I can now, but I think those things, it's crazy. Those, just the whole relationship thing. It's, it's so crazy. Cause I, I always, it's funny, you mentioned earlier that uh, kind of take accountability and uh, I, I definitely do. Like it's, it, you know, it, there's two, two different arguments. You're both right. You know, mm -hmm. you're right from that level of thinking. I'm right from my level of thinking. And I feel like when you look at the history, like you said, you're like, well, if, if that person wouldn't do something or if they want to, if they did something and they're telling me about it that I would never do. It goes back to like your core values, you know what yeah. I mean, where, where they're kind of crossing the line. And uh, I always wonder, too, Owen, if you since we're kind of in the subject with surrounding yourself with people, um, do you think there's a lot of people that uh, you could look back and be like, man, they could have been so good or uh, and it's almost like you see something more than they are mm -hmm. bringing to the table, if that makes sense. Um, 
And I guess since you've been in this so long, have you ever had a moment where somebody does come back and be like, Hey, I'm sorry, dude. You know what? I'm sorry. Has that, has that very rarely, but we were talking earlier about spending time with positive people Mm -hmm. versus spending time with negative people Mm -hmm. and how once you start removing, maybe, maybe, and maybe it's not a thing. It's not like, Hey, I'm cutting you out of my life. You just don't spend as much time with them Mm -hmm. or you just kind of like ghost a little bit. Mm -hmm. And it's funny if you watch your stress level go down by being around negative people, you start realizing things about your circle and you don't, and Mm. and we talked about this too. Like you can grow a new whole new set of people that you surround yourself with and, and really want to build relationships with. It doesn't mean you have to do that necessarily instead of Mm -hmm. maintaining your current or past relationships. You just don't have to spend as much time with them or talk to them about the same things because you need a creative outlet. If you're going to, if you're all about real estate investing or entrepreneurship, then it's probably going to fall on deaf ears when you're talking to people that you were friends with Mm -hmm. in college, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Love it. Love it. So I think, I think you can, you can really leverage new people, not necessarily at the expense of your own, but I think you should really do yourself a favor and take personal stock of your own relationships and the ones that are negative are mm-hmm. probably the ones you want to start, you know, exactly getting out of your life. Yeah. Yeah. And it comes with growth. Cause it's like, I know you do it at like more than me where it's like, you're constantly putting yourself in seminars, you know, reading all that adds up, you yeah. know, it's education. It adds up. I mean, uh, one of my guys in the mastermind and shout out to VCG, check out that podcast. If you haven't, uh, he mentioned about how he's, probably spent 60,000 on Tony Robbins. Uh, He's nearing 75,000 on Grant Cardone, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, what does that tell you is you are a better person, whoever you're encountering with. It's like, you know what? Cause I hate like all that. Like, I'm sure you've heard, Oh, you think you're better than, you know, everybody else or than me or whatever. And it's like, you know, yeah, I am, (laughs) you know, because I've invested in myself. I've done. (laughs) And it's like, Okay, cocky or well, I call it confident. You know, it goes back to all those. So, anyways, sorry, love it, love it. No, you, yeah, you get you get a target on your back when you yeah. start, you start experiencing mm-hmm. success. Exactly, for sure. And then uh, the next question that I have for you is: if there were three steps to success, and if you do these three things, you're not going to fail. You're going to be successful. You're going to become a millionaire. Mm-hmm. What are the three steps? Education in whatever field you're interested in networking in that same you know field improving your sphere of influence and taking action mm. so oh, man those those three things i think if you do only those three things you will be successful um provided you believe in what you're doing you have to believe it yeah. otherwise you're just going to be half in half out yeah i love that that it made me think like that's what i've done so <laughs> love yeah. it love it um and then uh the other question I have for you, you mentioned writing a book in there. If you were to write a book or if you're starting to write a book and if you have, how much can you tell us? But otherwise, what is the title and just the point of the book? What's the theme? For me, I think it's going to be around the it's going to be around 70 percent. And I don't know if the the name is the 70 percent solution. Ooh or the 70% something. I love that. Designed around fulfilling potential and the, and, and kind of the, you know, the gap in the game mm-hmm, type, mm-hmm. Uh, type of a setup, but like taking stock of your current life, making clear goals about what you want to accomplish and figuring out how to narrow the gap between your 70% and a hundred percent. 
So good. Wow. So, so that's an idea <laughs> that I have and, and I love one it. that's very personal to me. Now, um, real estate books, I think there's a lot of stuff that I enjoy, you know, spending time on mm -hmm. content on. So I think maybe something will come out of that too. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know what, yeah. man, love it. Love it. Uh, and if you could let everybody listening know uh, where they can find you as far as social media, website, et cetera. Sure. Yeah. I'm on uh, RIA Radio. So we've got our own Facebook page, um, Liquid Lending Solutions. You can always, you know, give me a call. My number is 402-578-4003. And uh, I'm on Instagram, odog2424 with A-D-A-W-G, O-D-A-W-G, 2424. Um, and bigger pockets. I'm always on there. So you can reach out to me on any of those platforms. Mm, I love that you gave your phone number out. That's, that's, yeah. I love it. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, well, with that being said, Owen, thank you, man. This, wow. Been a this, pleasure. I thank you so much for We left honor. so much too. I know. I, we, there's, we're, we'll, part two. Come, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely uh, meet up again for sure. Uh, keep doing your thing, man. You're, you're inspiring a lot of people and, uh, it goes back to, I always get motivated with stories like you, right? Like, and that's what it should do. Uh, not like you said, well, you have 10 albums out and you want to have the same success with one. It's like, no motivation guys. So if anything, you could pick up all the whole story has been motivation. So thank you. Owen. I appreciate it. Everybody out there listening, make sure you guys subscribe to Billy the kid again, screenshot, wherever you're listening to this, and tag O-Dog over here <laughs> and tag me at Billy the Kid. And if you share this episode with the screenshot, we're going to reshare it. And again, so we can get some networking done. Again, you heard how important networking is. So please do that. Otherwise, subscribe to Spotify, uh, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. And go to BillyTheKid.com, leave me your email. I'm going to send you a free autograph CD. So with that being said, Ooh. see you in the next one. I'm always ten toes for what I believe Those minded people mad at me that I'm speaking fast Or, or maybe could it be that I'm getting wrecked Open your mind, gotta open it to receive I'm always ten toes for what I believe Some, some